Hello and welcome to the Sobo Lens Podcast. This is Jim and Joe sharing their stories and life experiences. Sobo today for a better tomorrow. This is Life Through the Sobo Lens. Good evening everyone and welcome to episode 24 of the Sobo Lens Podcast. Tonight, unfortunately, my usual co-host Joe is unable to join us, so we have a special guest co-host, our friend, the lovely Erica G, aka Sober Thriving. Erica, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? How is everyone doing out there? I am excellent. I'm sure our listeners are all excellent. It is very nice to have you join us, especially on such short notice. So thank you for that. Um, I spoke to Erica today and she wanted to come on and we were going to sort of do a guest recap as she was the first guest. I figured that's a great idea. Um, We can talk about some of the people we've had on. Erica has been a fan, one of our biggest fans since day one. So I'm very excited to hear your insight on how the show is going and uh, what we can do to improve and any other criticisms you have and what you want to talk about. So you can kick it off. It's all good. It's all full of love. And I am very honored and I feel so blessed to be able to come back onto the show. I am one of your biggest fans. I um, am really lucky to know that you feel the same way in return. Of course, I do not have a podcast, nor do I sell anything. I am a part of this community. I raise my hand basically to say, hey, I'm one of you. Uh, count me in. And if you need anything, uh, my support, I'm here to give it as well. But I am a big fan of you and Joe. Um, I love the show. I love the way that you guys have it formatted. It's just a conversation. I listen to it on the drive to work, sometimes on the drive home. I laugh when you guys laugh. Um, You know, Joe can be so funny sometimes with some of the impressions he does. Um, And I just laugh out loud because I genuinely feel like I'm there sitting next to you guys. It's that, it's that warm. um, It's that comfortable. So thank you for um, allowing me to come back on because as I've listened to your podcast evolve, especially with such great, great um, guests that you've had on, I listen to things and I'll either have an aha moment or I'll say, ooh, there's something that we should probably follow up on with that just to make sure that uh, we, the audience perhaps um, isn't misunderstanding or uh, going on a different um, or maybe a different idea of what's being communicated. As you know, I've been um, on my own sober journey for almost five years. And I started off with AA. That's all I knew at the time. I had never been in a meeting and um, I only knew to reach out to someone in AA because someone I knew had been very open and posted about reaching a two-year sobriety milestone. So when I found myself hitting what was my bottom, I uh, reached out to that person and all I said was, hey, I I think I want to check out a meeting. What I loved from a person who had been working a program for two years is he didn't reply back, what, you? You, Miss Perfect? Miss suck it in, stand up straight, keep it together. Like, oh, like this is just juicy. No, that person basically said, sure, 
meet me at this meeting uh, Monday night, 7 p.m. And for someone like me who had been so resistant to reach out and uh, share anything honest about where I was at in my life and what I was feeling, obviously fearing that somebody would think it was sensational news, right? To have somebody just be like, sure, meet me here. Um, it definitely set the uh, tone, which I take whenever somebody comes to me to say, hey, I got something going on. Because at the end of the day, it's not what you've got going on. We've all got stuff going on. It's just the fact that someone's coming to you vulnerable and saying, you know what, I'd like to try something else out. And uh, now I say, sure, meet me at this meeting. And, and we go from there. What do you think, Jim? Another way, I, I think, as I've said before, there's multiple ways to get where you're going. I don't knock AA. I probably will end up going just to take it all in. Um, as you know, I believe in God. Joe believes in God. Um, Joe likes to quote scripture on here and kind of insert a prayer here or there. And it's, it's all, I would more so go to AA for the stories um, to listen. I, I want to listen to what people have to say. I do enjoy a handful of podcasts from the recovery community. Um, there's people that reach out to me that I am going to have on as guests in the coming weeks and months. Um, I am going to keep that under wraps for now, but they were big, much like yourself, they were big supporters in the beginning. Um, I recently reached out to them and they said, just like you, let me know when, you know, I'm in, let me know when. And it, it's really, it, it's awesome. The community we have here is unbelievable. And it, it really is something special. And that community for me began in a, again, not knowing anything else. We're talking about 2016. I know it seems not that long ago, but man, it was a while ago. And, um, but I remember even that first year of AA really thinking to myself, there's got to be something else. I mean, I didn't mind, I didn't mind what some people would criticize about AA, about how it's antiquated and, you know, it hasn't really evolved. You know, religion hasn't really evolved. It's, it's what people interpret it to be that changes it, right? The, the, the Bible stays the same. It's not being rewritten, right? The AA book, the big book stays the same. It's, it's not rewritten. And um, there are those who can find some evolution from that. I consider myself one of those people. And then there are people who find it works for them by just sticking to it a hundred percent. But like I said, maybe a year into it, I was thinking there's gotta be something else. And at that point, I discovered a podcast. I only knew of one. I'd never even listened to a podcast before. So I went with that. And then um, the quit lit, uh, quit literature out there, all those books uh, I find fascinating. There's so much information, but again, it all comes down to the fact that people are sharing stories, right? Mm -hmm. If you think about, uh, I know Joe uh, is getting much into his faith and, you know, uh, um, we're not a sticking to one religion here, but, you know, with the Bible, uh, the, theologians, I think I'm saying that correctly, um, mm -hmm. determined that there were at least seven plus authors that make up what we know as the Old Testament. I can't, can't speak for the new one, but for the old one, because of the way that God is referred to because of um, 
some of the stories repeating themselves in there. So what you what you get from that is that at the time before there was any written documentation, you had human beings who carried the story, right? Maybe different villages, different areas. And eventually that all came down, came together when somebody had the ability to actually um, transcribe, again, lack of a better word, um, it into an actual written document, right? So we here we are, you know, 2021, and it hasn't changed. We thrive off of stories. We need stories. And I think that when we say that we need community, um, we have to have community in any recovery, um, in any recovery effort. It could be recovery from anything. You do need to find that bond because the biggest mistake we make is uh, when we're harming ourselves is to assume that we're the only ones going through it. We're yep. the only ones feeling it. Therefore, we are justified in our choices, right? Alienating yourself for others and saying, I don't need help and I can do it alone. I'm strong. I'm this, I'm that. Recovery from anything, be it drugs, be it alcohol, it kind of shows you who you are. Um, you learn about yourself and you, you learn about others, who, who's going to be there for you. Because a lot of times everyone who says they're going to be there for you isn't, and you have to make your own way of it. You Agreed. Know? I, I have um, that, you know, one of the hardest things to do, let's say in a substance abuse recovery is the, the to do is to uh, make a choice where you feel that by doing so, meaning you're no longer partaking in um, those substances, you feel that you're going to be excluded you're no longer going to be perceived as fun. Uh, people are not going to want you around. You're going to lose all your friends. And what happens is as you continue on your journey, you get to a point where you find comfort in identifying or distinguishing between your friends and your enablers, right? And as you find, as you find strength to build yourself up, the need for an enabler starts going away. So nothing has to be drastic. I mean, that was one thing that was a little uh, troublesome for me early on in AA when I got a sponsor. She was very by the book. I actually went to her and asked her to sponsor me because um, I felt that she was one tough cookie. She was a beautiful woman, but she had had a wild story, very different from me. But I thought, wow, she could make it. Anybody can. But she was so rigid that uh, her attitude was, nope, you got to dump everybody. You got to walk away from it. And it's like, how do you do that? You know, how do you just sever all those ties? Like that's going to drive me to medicate even more. If I do that. I mean, if I told her I had an argument with my husband, she'd be like, nope, that's it. You got to end that too. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, lady, it's a little disruptive. Um, And, you know, eventually there's a terminology that we fire our sponsors. I think that's a little disrespectful, but you can absolutely walk away from someone and, it was hard for me to actually terminate that relationship when I, when I felt that, that her expectations of me and my journey were more based on what her interpretation was versus really what I could do. Um, it got to the point where I was thinking about medicating just to not just to have to deal with her. And it's like, that's not healthy. And I remember (laughs) you're going to laugh. I remember calling her and I said, you know, I'd like to salvage whatever, you know, friendship we might have in this. And I'd like you not to sponsor me. And Jim, she said to me, oh, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. Like She wouldn't let me fire her. And at that point, 
the B-I-T-C-H in me that can still come out. I said, oh, wait a minute. Oh, we are doing this. You're, <laughs> You're not telling me. Yeah. <laughs> You're not telling me. Right. And and at that point, and this is important for people who maybe are, are concerned about current sponsors or future sponsorship is I found someone else. And when I approached her, what she said to me is, Erica, I'm going to teach you the book, how it was taught to me. And that was it. She didn't tell me I'm going to teach it to you based on my interpretation, life experience or whatever. She just said, I'm going to teach it to you the way it was taught to me, because that's the way that it should be. Because if one day someone were to ask me to sponsor them, me personally, I would want to teach it to them the way that it was taught to me. I don't want to own anybody else's sobriety. Like, I don't want to be responsible. I don't need you calling me 24 seven. If you call me great, if you don't want to participate in your, in this process, that's on you. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to force you into doing it. Right. You, you, you frame it and then you let them make their own, uh, take their own way. A hundred percent. You know, I had, I had one uh, acquaintance who reached out to me maybe two, three years into my journey and who asked me to help them. And I said, sure. And I, and I followed that process and that person became very attached to me, obviously, because I was their only um, exposure into a different way of life. Um, eventually, that person chose that they wanted to go back and try it again. And, uh, you know, no judgment. Like, that's another thing we have to learn to do is, you know, when somebody chooses to go back to how things were before, it's not our place to sit there and correct them and judge them and criticize them. If, right. if this person were to come back to me, we would try again. Nope. I agree. It's, you're not, you're not supposed to judge, but it, to me, I'm going to moderate. I'm going to do things different. It sounds good, but you and I both know it. You kind of end up at the same place faster and then you're back where you started. Let's talk about that. This, <clears throat> this whole moderation, you know, um, I accept the fact that there are people out there who can moderate. Okay that's okay. I'm not one of those people. You, you had a guest on, um, he's a gentleman who's a father and he's very pro fatherhood and really promoting and empowering fathers to, to fit, fit in their role. Remember? Um, That's the, uh, Jay, the founder of dads with sons. Yes. Which I do follow him because absolutely. I want to definitely support that because yes, men, um, you are needed. You are needed in the parental role. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. But I remember Jay said uh, he was asked how he likes to unwind. And he mentioned that he might go and have like a drink at home and whatever. And I thought, okay, here I am as your audience member. And some people might think that this is exclusively a, a sobriety podcast, which it's not. It's two fathers who have chosen a sober lifestyle. But I said, I don't want people to think like, oh, because Jay was on there, he shouldn't be on here or whatever. No, some people can truly go home and moderate. And some people can go home and moderate until they no longer can moderate. If you think that I started uh, consuming anything, right? Any substance with the intent to end up at what my bottom was, you're highly mistaken. For me, it was like, it's a party. Everyone's doing it. This is what you do. It's Hollywood. We're having fun. Look, I'm around musicians and, and, and really cool people. And this is what we do. And that's how it starts. That's the allure, right? And the beginning it's friggin' fun. I could tell you there were really good times. Everyone can say that. 
at some point it no longer is right because what is the human experience defined by it's defined by um situations and feelings and not all good right and so because we got to suck it up stand up straight and make it look good and keep going we pretend we're over things that we possibly aren't and so we have this this longing inside or this ache or this pain that sits dormant we don't even acknowledge it right and one day we pick up something and we try it or we smoke it or we do whatever it is with it and we find this relief this relief right that we didn't even think we needed because we've been ignoring and neglecting our feelings and we find this relief and that's when you start getting into trouble because it's never it's never there to provide relief. It's just there to numb it. And I had shared uh, recently that people think we're addicted to a substance and it's like, no, you're addicted to the relief you're getting. Right. So that could be, and that's why I said that um, I've said that, you know, you can give up alcohol, but you'll just replace it with something else. If you're not addressing the real problem, I, I had posted on my Instagram page that um, abstinence is a byproduct of living your life in a way where you don't need to numb anything or medicate it, right? And it doesn't mean that, that life doesn't mean that life's going to be pain-free or challenge-free. It's not. Somebody wrote there, somebody who was clearly very pro-AA and very clearly AA by the book, right? Said that, you know, they could appreciate where I was coming from, but that, you know, I really shouldn't that abstinence was, they felt that by me saying abstinence wasn't kind of the goal, that I was maybe neglecting the importance of it, right? Or downplaying it. Yeah. Or downplaying it. And, and that's not it. The abstinence comes naturally. If I choose right now to take a nap when I'm in a funk, when I'm angry, when I would do normally harmful things to myself, if I choose to take a nap, I'm clearly abstaining from chemical usage, Correct. All right. If I choose to go play with my children and, and spend time with them and not think about myself in that moment and medicate whatever funk I'm feeling, I am abstaining, right? So the abstinence is coming as a byproduct of me choosing to do things differently. Why we hear often be of service. You know, if I were to go out there into a, uh, a community that needs assistance, whether that's donations, food donations, and things like that. And I take myself out of the comfort of my home. And I go into an environment like that to be of service. I'm clearly abstaining in that moment, right? Because the the goal there is to be of service. Now, if I went there to get shit-faced and then feed people food, well, then you didn't go there to do anything but to get shit-faced. And you could have done that at home and spared yourself the DUI charge, right? Agreed. Okay. It, it, that's the thing. It's all about how you get there. It, it's all about, you know, they say buy the ticket, take the ride. When you buy the ticket, it's how you want to take the ride. So you can go to AA and I, like I said, I'm going to end up there just because I, lo- I love to trade stories and hair stories. And it, it, it's how you deal with, there's no one way to get where you need to go. Um, I see people, on Instagram that have their, uh, this podcast to me is for everyone. It is about two sober dads doing what they need to do. 
it's about tying in music, it's about tying in hot sauce, but we'll have women on, men on, whoever on to tell their stories to, you know, I, I have a great friend of mine and he's pro cannabis for medicinal use. And he's like, you know, can I come? He actually makes beard products. Um, and he started making beard wax and beard balm and he's going to make combs, um, all that stuff. And he's local. So you're supporting small business. I said, I'm absolutely going to have you on. I said, we can have a discussion about using these things for good it doesn't have to be one way i'm not so rigid joe isn't so rigid that it has to be this way this way or you're out um i some podcasts i follow um just had a, a guest on and they were talking about microdosing, as far as like using uh cannabis or cbd in small quantities to for anxiety and stuff like that I personally don't, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to not have someone on the podcast that has a story to tell where others can benefit. Right. Because others could benefit from it. You know, here, here I am in uh, Los Angeles, California. We like to put nice little fancy names on everything. And I think, um, Demi Lovato. Cali Sober. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Cali Sober thing, um, which I've never heard of before. Actually to interrupt you real quick, the the girl who was talking on the podcast who was talking about microdosing is also kind of an expert in that area. And the girl is uh, Katie Deegan. Um, she has, she runs at, she's at Sober Saturdays and the podcast was um, Pop You Can and Sober is Dope, which I love. And right. they were, they were talking, but he, he had her on talking about um, the whole Cali sober and how, what it was. And she kind of gave insight to that. So it was very interesting to hear. And she, I think because of her celebrity, she came on and, and just was like, I'm, I'm doing it this way. And because people have always assumed that sobriety has to meet a certain criteria for you to be sober. Okay. And that there, there falls in that rigidness that can be very um, isolating uh, for people who perhaps don't fit that mold completely. So, you know, the California sober, and I don't know what she puts into that. I think she drinks a little bit. Listen, we all have to be our own personal sober. I cannot have alcohol in my body. The way that I respond to one drink means that I'm going to end up blacking out. Okay. That that's the way it is. And, um, and that's not what my intention are is. And what I've always said, um, on this journey is you have to set your intentions for whatever you're doing. Why am I choosing this lifestyle? Is it really to please other people or is it truly because I have now found a way of living that's just so much better than it was before? There's my intention. If someone's going to go somewhere and they're going to dabble in a joint or something else like that, set your intention. Do you truly want to end up in handcuffs? Well, if you don't, maybe you either should try to mod, uh, moderate if that's even possible, or maybe you shouldn't do it at all. If you come to me and you say, hey, what's your intention? Well, I'm coming to this party to have a good time, not make a fool out of myself and not make my husband angry. Then let me tell you something. I'm not going to be touching the liquor, right? So the California sober, you know, with like, you know, smoke weed or whatever, do you. 
do you, if, if, if you're setting a proper intention, if you've got some kind of tools that you're putting into place to make your life a little bit better, and that involves smoking uh, marijuana, go for it. Why don't I do it? Because unless they build a strand that causes weight loss, I'm not touching the shit. Thank you. Okay. That's like going to a restaurant and telling the chef to dump all the sugar in my recipe because I want it to taste good. You're only screwing yourself and then you got to pay the bill afterwards. No, thank you. I don't need to pay you to make me fatter. Thank you. So, uh, so for all you, you know, cannabis, uh, chemists out there, when you get a strand that makes you lose weight, hit me up. Okay. You'll have <laughs> <laughs> Just like I was the first person on this podcast, I'll be your first customer, but, there you go. but that's the whole thing. You know, the, the micro dosing, and now there's a lot of studies that are coming out about, um, hallucinogenics and how they are helping people who suffer from anxiety, post-traumatic stress, who the hell are we to tell those people who may have been maybe on a sober journey, but they're still suffer anxiety, debilitating anxiety, the trauma that people experience in this life experience is can be so horrific. Who are we to tell them that because they are now under the care of a professional uh, trying hallucinogenics that they are no longer on a sober journey? Like that's, who- that's what they were saying too, that, that it involved like, um, mushrooms and in small doses and it wasn't you know go see a street go see a street pharmacist and buy a buy this or that it was it was it was curated doses and stuff of that nature let's love Um, ourselves yeah let's love ourselves enough to know what we can put in our bodies and what we can't right so yeah you're either going to get the stuff cheap on the street and don't know what's in it or you're going to find maybe some process by some professional that can at least guide you at least in the beginning so you know what the hell you're doing right but if if you need help like there are people um i'm on a couple of sober boards and there are people that say i take this medication or i take x medication prescribed does that make me sober i would say yes because you're doing it within you're doing what you need to do and if you need to take medication to you know mood stabilizers or you have different problems and you need to take medication you're going to help yourself you're not gonna you know that that's the problem you have to be you know you have to be sober is this sober is that sober is whatever you want it to be to make you live the life you want that's that's my definition 100% because think about this there are a lot of legal prescriptions for antidepressants and things like that right mood stabilizers okay. i believe they work okay once your mood is stabilized your problems don't go away hopefully they're stabilized to the point where you are able to say okay since I'm now somewhat regulated, now I need to work and find out what it is that gets me off track, right? Is it childhood trauma? Is it an unhappy work situation? Is it uh, my environment is unhealthy? Give yourself enough love and care that you're able to figure out what it is, what's the root cause of why you even medicate? Because it's very easy to tell someone, well, you're an addict, you're at this. What you're failing to address is what brought them there? You know, was it insecurity? Was it peer pressure? What took them there? I often see too, um, a lot of people who have had problems with alcohol or drugs become nurses or work in detox or work in intakes. So it's almost like they give back and they say, hey, this used to be me. This doesn't have to be you. 
you know, and the, and these people are say, you know, they're saving people one at a time. A hundred percent. And that's another thing about, you know, going, go, just revisiting this AA topic, um, the whole anonymity thing, you know, I respect the fact that people want to be anonymous, but somebody broke their anonymity and that saved me. When that person posted that they were two years sober and this person who had had a wild history of substance uh, misuse and, uh, uh, and abuse, him breaking his anonymity helped me know where to go to, right? Um, for me to create my sober thriving page uh, four years into my journey was a massive step. My God, when my mother-in-law started following me, I'm like, shit, there's no turning back now. Like everything's out there because, I, yeah. I, I, I have family follow me and it's wild and they'll be like, oh, I listen to the podcast. You know, it's, you're really going deep in the topics and, or it's light and loose or it's funny or you guys make me laugh. And it's, but, but they're proud of what I've done. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of it too. Like I love, I love talking to people and I love having you all on and it's, it's fun to, it's for me, it's fun to help people. It's fun to hear their story and try and help them along the way. Uh, I'm in, I'm in no way accredited to legally help people, but I want to give what I can. Right. I, I, I say I didn't create my page and I'm not out here, you know, promoting sobriety or trying to manage anybody's sobriety. All I'm trying to say is if you choose to join this journey, you will not be alone. I'm here. I will introduce you to so many people that are also on this journey. The kind of people that I have met in this community, real people, the kind of people that share where they came from, how it was, you know, um, those are the people I want to be around. You know, this is la la land out here, as we like to call it. We have a lot of bullshit flowing, right? You got fancy cars, you got fancy people. And it's like, you know what? You might have a fancy car, but I know you're still living in your mom's two bedroom apartment. <laughs> like, can you afford gas? You know, you learn that and we laugh about it, but uh, because it, it is funny and it's sad, but I want to be around real people. And I got to tell you, the sober community looks damn good because here's the thing. Um, Back in the 40s, when AA got started, the image of an alcoholic, for example, was that person uh, drinking out of a paper bag, sick, deathly sick, right? And that's because that's what you needed to get to before anything happened. You were either hospitalized, institutionalized, or you were dead. That's, that's how bad it was. So yeah, for someone like me, who wasn't missing any teeth, who didn't have a paper bag, who could still afford whatever I was putting into my body to identify with someone that looked like that was wrong. When in fact, today you have first ladies, judges, no, police I, officers, priests, the it, no. it, it, alcohol abuse, any kind of uh, um, uh, abuse of any substance. Um, yeah. it, it has no barrier. It'll affect anybody. And so it's important for me to stand up and say, Hey, it doesn't all look like that, you know? And if you look at some of the, and, and, you know, I'm, I, I grew up with sisters, so I have a big admiration for women. I'm obviously very close with, um, my own gender. Um, there are beautiful, beautiful women here. And then in the same token, when you see these men come out and be vulnerable and be honest, there is an attractiveness to that, that no fancy car or fancy job could ever, ever shadow, ever. 
Okay. To get, to get a man who is raw, who says I'm here pouring out his heart, pouring out his story. It's beautiful. It's admirable. So it's a great, this is a great place to be. I agree. Like you say this, they say that find your tribe. This is my tribe. These are my people. Let's roll. Yep. With that said, um, I want to do something that you didn't get the chance to do because you were the first guest. Joe and I do the Sobel N7. If you listened, you know what this is about. We asked the guests seven questions. So I'm going to ask you the seven questions. I'm so scared. Go for uh, it. <laughs> so, and we, we talked about this and you said, you're not a full albums person. You said you're more of a singles person. That's fine. So if you could bring three singles to a desert Island, what would they be? Um, Carlos Vives, because uh, my family's Colombian and he's got some great, great uh, Baguenato music is what they call it in Colombia. Um, I would bring Prince Purple Rain. Uh, oh, nice. for Carlos Vives, it would be La Gota Fria is what it's called. That's amazing. But Prince, I gotta, I, I gotta stop you real quick and just yeah. say that I've been wicked into getting into Cuban jazz yes. and stuff of that nature. Um, it's it's all I'm listening to, and my wife's like, "What is that?" It's, it's kind of funky. Like it's, it's great. It's great. I love it. And I'm then, sorry. Carry okay. On. Who, who else? Um, probably, and I probably can't name the song, but it would be something from one of the big rave DJs, maybe like a Tiesto. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Um, moving on. Question two, what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink? Ooh, I noticed that you like those shrubs. The shrub that- buches are amazing. Um, there's a, a woman on Instagram named Firm Fatal, and shrub buches are amazing. They are like a kombucha, but these are more filled with like probiotics. It's really good for you. That is a fantastic cocktail replacement. Just putting it out there. Nice. That would be yours, yes? Yes. There you go. Um, question three, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? Medellin, Ma- Colombia. See, you, you thought this was going to be hard. Right now I would go there. Okay. Anybody who hasn't traveled to Colombia, you are missing out. Okay. I got a trip planned in January. Yes. Are you, you're all going. Yeah. I'm trying to recruit people to come with me. Cause let me tell you, it is amazing. I want to go to Cartagena, the islands, and then Medellin is the most, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. It is super safe and clean and fantastic. And the Uber drivers speak English and I would move there now. And I'm pretty fancy. So that says a lot about managing. One, <laughs> one, one day I'll go to Columbia and let's go. Let's go. I'm I'll, taking you. Maybe I'll come back. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question four. What's your favorite food? I love Persian food. My husband's Persian. So yeah, bring on the kebab and the rice any there day. You go. Actually, my wife, um, we started eating like we, the, that we uh, falafel a lot. So there's like a Middle Eastern place in town that we go to and she's like, oh, can we get the falafel plate? I'm like, absolutely. Sample so it all. Sample to, it all. To Jim. see where she's come now, as far as like, 
when I started dating her years and years and years ago, she didn't eat seafood. Now she's like, let's get the lobster. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, you know what? I want to come out that way so you guys can take me to eat some lobster. Done. Actually, that Say will happen. That will yeah. happen. I do You're travel. On, okay. Absolutely. Um, definitely. Whatever you want. Question five. What's your favorite movie? I know Joe likes to, what's your favorite 80s movie? And he puts a spin on it. I'm not going to do that. He's not here to stop me. So, um, the notebook, the notebook. Yeah. Don't make fun. Oh God. That's a tearjerker. Oh. I'm, I'm leaving the room. If you, <laughs> if the notebook's on, if I walk in and my wife has a notebook on, I'm like, all right, I'm whatever. I'm you do you, I'm doing me. See you later. Oh my God. <laughs> I think every woman is just that that's it right there. You, you want to be loved and wanted that much. Until death do you part. Yes. <laughs> it sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good. Come on, let's be real. We should have a, a talk just on the reality of relationships. Yes, it all looks good. It's a uh, it's work. So question six, what's your favorite thing to do to unwind? Sleep. That is I'm, a good answer. I am a serial napper. Okay, so I'll, I'll just try to say that this is, as quick that as That is possible. a good answer. And having a year and a half year old, we don't get sleep at all anymore. So- well, I love my sleep. You know me with my dog and all of his health issues. So I don't sleep well either. But I got to tell you that first year when I didn't have the tools to quiet the voices in my head that would not shut up, those voices that were dormant every time I medicated, right? I, I couldn't get them to stop talking. And I would just take naps because I didn't, I'm not a good meditator. Praying is not my thing. Like, like all the tools that were being given to me, it's like, I can't do all this. Now I'm better. I would just nap. But it would get to the point where I'm like in the middle of a conversation with my family, I start getting funky, funky and broad daylight. I'm like, I got to go take a nap. And they would look at me and say again. And I'm like, yeah, I'm three days. I'm like, I'm three in, I'm going back. It was the only way to shut up the voices in my head. Napping is underrated. It's fabulous. You have to do what you have to do to get those voices to stop. And lastly, question seven, what is your dream job? You can do anything. What's it going to be? Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. That's your dream job. You're yeah. doing it now. Dude, you, I don't, you are the dream maker and you've given me a dream. <laughs> the, there you go. Listen to that, everyone. I've, I'm giving people dreams. Imagine you know, that. Little you know, old like, me. Because you're a giver. <laughs> there you go. Um, hey, you might end up on the podcast permanently someday in a co-host spot. I don't know. Maybe, you know. Joe and I want to flavor the podcast up and we bring you on as the Cali, you know, the Cali consultant. I don't know. Let's do it. You never know. Um, with that said, we usually wrap things up by giving shout outs. Do you have any shout outs? Yeah. Um, I have a few. Um, sure. Bipolar and sober. She's a gal I met out in San Francisco when I flew up to hang out with a couple of sober gals. She's awesome. She really is uh, shedding a lot of light into the mental health challenges that people suffer. Yep, I uh, follow I think, her on Instagram. Yeah, she is she, awesome. She's awesome. She's brutally honest. And I've met her in person and I'm in love with her. She's like my little sister. Um, she's amazing. And um, uh, my gals out in San Francisco. Yeah, there's quite a few of them uh amy and norma and carla and uh, shout out to them nice and lauren um, <laughs> and lauren um that's it 
Yeah. That's all you got. So I am going to give a shout out to my co-host, Joe. Um, he couldn't be with us tonight. And I want to give a shout out to you for filling in for Joe. You did a hell of a job. I'm sure we'll have you on again as a co-host. Um, I do love the way you come on and you kind of give us pointers throughout the, you know, after you listen to each podcast. So, I mean, you, you're family, you're, you're, you're basically part of the silver lens anyway. So that's that. Um, I also want to give a shout out to, uh, I listened to a podcast, the Ricky Bittman jukebox podcast. Um, it is a guy who I grew up with. I used to, he used to mind me when I was a kid. Um, and he, I would ask him to play the Beach Boys and all these songs. And my family grew up with his family. And he now has a podcast where he talks about music and the old, you know, the old stuff and everything. He runs the gamut. So I want to give a shout out to Ricky Bittman's Jukebox. Check it out. It's on Spotify. That's all I have. If that's all you have, Erica, this has been episode 24. Thank you so much for tuning in. That's a wrap. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you.